Crushgasm, the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, an appreciator of all things supernatural, Melissa Searcha, a music-addicted home cook, author, and wine lover who is here to talk not only about her Immortal Billionaire series, but also her crush on a savage of the narrow sea, but a sweetie to Khaleesi, Cal Drogo, of course, played by Jason Momoa, aka the hottest man to ever be on HBO's Game of Thrones. Melissa, how are you? I'm good. I love that intro. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Welcome. I'm excited to talk about all things Jason Momoa and your book. Yes, me too. (laughs) So as a fan that's been watching since sort of day one, what initially like drew you back to that show in 2011? Because I got to say, I didn't even know this show like existed until maybe a few years later when like the costumes started to pop off at the cons and stuff like that. Maybe the Red Wedding episode as well. I remember that was popular, but what was it for you? I actually, I think I want to say I started it one season late. Uh, When it aired, um, I kind of heard about it and I actually don't even think I had cable at the time. I was just, you know, reading and all into that. And all these people started telling me about Game of Thrones. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. I love fantasy. You know, I write fantasy. And um, so I, I started watching it. I binged the first season in probably like three days, <laughs> just staying up all night watching it. And um, it was just so different um, in the terms of being, you know, it was very adult. Um, it was really well shot. The acting was amazing. The, the sets, the costumes, as you mentioned, Um, were just beautiful and um, I just got drawn into this world and this story of potential uh, magic and so I I just became hooked on it and and watched it ever since and uh, laughed and cried with the rest of the world during all the different you know pivotal episodes that we um, that basically went viral essentially. Had you like heard of the books prior to the show since you're an author yourself? I had yeah I had heard of the books and I knew they were kind of beasts of a book you know because they were longer you know five six seven hundred pages some of them and I was one of those things where I was like I'll get around to reading it at some point you know I, I bought the whole series had it on my bookshelf and then um, and this always happens to me every time I buy a bunch of books and go oh you know I'll read it soon and then they they end up coming out like as a television show or a film <laughs> and I'm like okay I really need to read this now and then I did I, I did read the Game of Thrones book but yeah so I did I was aware of, of the books ahead of time yeah <laughs> Now, was your crush on Drogo like instant or did you kind of warm up to him as he started to warm up to Daenerys? It was okay. So the Cal Drogo character is really interesting because, you know, essentially when he comes onto the screen, he's a villain, really. He's this guy who who owns, you know, owns women, basically owns people. And he's he doesn't really smile and he doesn't speak. You know, there's different language barriers going on between the two groups on the show. And he just comes across as mean, but I mean, the man himself is absolutely beautiful, right? So you're like, I really don't want to think he's attractive, but I can't help myself. I'm thinking he's super hot. But you know, what I loved about the show is they didn't prolong that storyline as far as like keeping him mean. I felt like they actually moved his character arc along pretty quickly. I mean, within a few episodes, they were in love and he was treating her like 
the queen that she is, you know? Yeah, he did kind of warm up to her. I was reading about it. And that's good because, yeah, when you see him at first, you're like, that guy is really scary. Yeah. Scary, but like, you're also like, oh, and that's kind of hot at the same time. Oh, for <laughs> you know? sure. I mean, he's yeah. like gorgeous. It's Jason Momoa. But, you know, is like he's the type of person you're like typically attracted to in, in terms of like TV and movie characters like that kind of brooding, muscular, maybe misunderstood guy. <laughs> Probably, I would say. I mean, I'm not sure. I guess, you know, aside from him, some of my more like, you know, favorite um, TV character crushes is like Jax Teller from Sons of Anarchy, Uhtred from The Last Kingdom. And I think it's just, yeah, it's this combination of sort of kind of like you're a villain, but not, you know, kind of like teetering on the edges of being like good and, you know, good and evil. Like they're really loyal to the people they love and to their, you know, their families. They won't uh, shed any mercy to anyone that crosses them. And there's, you know, there's something I think attractive about that. And, um, you know, same with like the villain that we love, you know, in the different um, novels and stuff that we write and read. And, um, you know, Klaus Michelson is another one on the originals. Ooh. Like, I mean, that, this you know, that my was favorite. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Awesome. Yeah, I love, I love, love Klaus. Anytime any, anyone asks me who's your favorite vampire, we say Klaus, um, you know, because you, you do see like this other side of them and you see the how they treat like you know the people they love and even though they do horrible things you know and it's fantasy it's it's fun it's not real life so it's fun to kind of get lost in that so I think that Cal Drogo was just more about like his presence you know just he had this presence and then he kind of like was this tough guy um, who totally just melted like butter for Khaleesi so talked to an artist recently and it was about her crush on an artist Caravaggio from the Renaissance and yes a master of art but he was like a really bad guy like there's murders in his history and all this like bar brawls and we we're talking about like it's just like bad boys who just there's a magnet of the to them like we're just, just drawn to them for no reason other than maybe the mystery of unlocking like what makes them so bad yeah i agree and i think it's like this whole you know and i see this a, a lot of authors talking about it especially in like the dark romance you know genre there's this uh, allure to like this villain type character who's you know good looking and you know has it all together and can literally yeah i can kill and do all these crazy things but yet he doesn't do that to you you know yeah. you're like <laughs> the only one that he will like put on a pedestal and treat you like a queen and yeah i think women not all women but a, a lot of women like yeah we like kind of gravitate towards that it's kind of sexy it's alluring it makes you feel special you know when you're when you're immersing yourself and into those types of worlds and like putting yourself in the female character's shoes or or the males if it's if it's reversed or whatever you know do you think that's part of the draw too is being able to put yourself in that fantasy of being the only one they're kind of good to yeah absolutely absolutely yeah because i think like you know a lot of us too like you know we've talked about it in different forums and amongst girlfriends and stuff you know they're you know in real life if we would not date someone who was like you know a serial killer or yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like none of that would actually happen in real life but there's something about the the safety of it you know in the fantasy because you get all the good parts of it all the seduction and all the you know the juiciness of it without actually like dealing with any of the real life consequences so that is definitely part of the fantasy for sure <laughs> Another fantasy that they have with like Game of Thrones really put out there was like they had some pretty steamy scenes from what I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you also <laughs> write some pretty steamy stuff yourself. So from your perspective, do you think Game of Thrones went far enough in that regard when it was on the air? Or do you think they could have pushed things a little further in the sexy department? 
You know, that's such a that's such a great question because at the time that I was watching Game of Thrones, I actually wasn't writing anything too steamy, you know, at the time. I hadn't really gotten into that genre yet. I was more in the whole like quest, you know, adventure with like a few love scenes thrown in. And so at the time when I was watching Game of Thrones, it was very shocking to see it on the screen. You know, some of those scenes like in the brothels, because, um, you know, nobody had ever really pushed the limits to that extent before on like a regular network cable show, you know, I mean, that was, some of it was borderline pornography at some point. Now that I, I write stuff that's similar, looking back, I do think they could have pushed it even more, not in different areas, not so much with the gratuitous stuff, right? Because I do feel like there was some stuff that didn't really need to be in there. It was just like, let's get some women naked and have them make out for the benefit of, you know, whatever. And I feel like they could have pushed it in more of like the couples, like, you know, in some of the romances that were happening on the show, they kind of cut those types of scenes a little short. Like when Jon Snow finally, you know, um, has has sex with uh, Khaleesi actually, you know, and many, many seasons later, I felt like it was a very quick sort of, um, you know, fade to black type of a scene. So I definitely think they could have pushed it a little bit more with some of like the romance aspects of it. Speaking of romance and all this, like you're a Game of Thrones fan, but you're also a writer. I have to ask, have you ever gone down like a Game of Thrones fan fiction rabbit hole? I have not. That's it's one of the one things I haven't done yet is I haven't read any fan fiction from like anything. Um, and I know about it. I know people that write it and I know people that love it. But yeah, I just are you have you um, read fan fiction? No, it's never been my thing. I grew up in like the um, the emo scene and it was really big for people to do that with certain bands. And it was just never up my alley. I'm not a like I read really slow too. So reading anything online, I'm like, this can take me. You know, like I need a book. If they put it out in a book form, I'd probably do better. I'd like to hold things. Yeah. But yeah, online, I'm not real like BuzzFeeds is like much as I can read. <laughs> yeah. At length. You know, That's put funny. a couple like gifs and memes in there to break it apart. But yeah, I I need a physical book. Yeah, I like physical books too. I like both. I've I used to be like really anti um electronic devices <laughs> for a while. Um just because um also it hurts my eyes. I, I wear glasses for reading and so um, after a while, like the screen glare, you know, gets to me. But and then there's just nothing better than smelling a paper, you know, a paperback, like just having like a real book in your hands. I'm I'm from I'm Gen X. So I grew up without internet <laughs> and all we had were books, actual books. And so, you know, it was harder, I think, for, for people of a certain age to like make that transition. Whereas like people, younger people now, like that's, that's what they grew up with. That's what they know. Um, but now that I've gotten used to it, I actually love my Kindle and um, I love Kindle Unlimited and I read quite a bit when I'm not like furiously writing. Um, but I was actually, I was proud of myself. I read like three books uh, last week. Oh my, in one week. Yeah. Hey, yeah. That'd be like my whole year. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I couldn't go to sleep. I, I started reading this series um, called the Zodiac Academy and um, it just like, I'm obsessed with it. And so I'm already on book four and I started reading it a week ago. I do, I do like both, but I, I hear you about the, the actual books though. Cause there's just something special about that. I about them lining your like bookshelf. I do mine color coordinated with my little tchotchkes. I love that. I'm so like envious of other people's bookshelves, like the aesthetic, because I feel like mine are just 
you know, I, I look like a like I have a vintage like antique bookstore because everything's just kind of shoved in different mm. places with like little trinkets around it. But I see these pictures online, you know, on Pinterest or TikTok and um, they're like color coordinated and they look all snazzy. And I was like, oh, someday maybe I'll get around <laughs> putting one of those together. So good for you. I'm super envious. <laughs> it's really fun to do to put all the books on the ground and color coordinate them and then get your little like knickknacks and everything. Plus, I'm a big like pop culture nerd. So I do have a lot of like Power Ranger weird little things here and there. I love that. Yeah, I have a lot of toys too from like different fandoms and stuff. I have some Game of Thrones stuff. I have some Walking Dead um, stuff as well and Sons of Anarchy. And I love like when I go to Comic Cons, you know, especially I just like spend way too much money and and buy all those little yeah knickknacks to display all over my house. <laughs> yes. You just like never, I think there's just part of it that you'll never grow up as long as they keep making things you like that you can buy things of. You're like, ooh. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Do I need this Game of Thrones like Monopoly board game? Nah, but I'm gonna get it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I'm a huge um, gamer nerd as well, specifically uh, when it comes to Fallout uh, franchise. And every time Fallout comes out with a new game, they always do like a special edition of it with like extras and I've bought every single one so I have like actual life-size replicas of things like from the game like the power armor helmet that was in one and then um the pip boy which is like this wrist thing that the character in uh uh, in the game uses to you know command things and and make stuff and um yeah so I'm a total nerd of that and um my boyfriend's like he's super like not into that kind of stuff which is so funny it's like the opposite that you would think and yeah. he just he thinks it's hilarious that I have like all these like toys all over the house <laughs> he's like so you want to clean those up you're like no right. the collectibles <laughs> exactly I know my um my husband he likes like Ninja Turtles he has this kind of one thing he likes but so when we go to cons I'm always like well do you want to get that Ninja Turtle art piece more like because I want more stuff for the walls yeah <laughs> you're like let's why don't you buy what you want so that way you can't like get mad at me when I buy what I want <laughs> yeah or we'll have things we agree on we're like okay let's we need like stuff from the office we like <laughs> Frasier like we try to like I try I to that. include his stuff too but <laughs> I love that I love Frasier that's like one of my favorite shows I got into it a few years ago and now it is yeah definitely one of my favorite shows I when I was little I had no idea what that show was about. I thought they were like British. Right. Because <laughs> they just seemed fancy, but yeah, yeah I totally. Love it. <laughs> it's so awesome. I love that. <laughs> but I was asking about fan fiction because um, Drogo's inspired one of the characters from one of your series. And I was wondering, have any of your other crushes inspired your pin or was it just Jason Momoa's beauty? Yeah, it was mostly Jason Momoa. So like the first book I ever wrote, um, Blood and Magic, that was my debut novel, is quite the cast of characters. I have 12 different characters and most of them were based on Greek mythology, but I had to design, you know, this character named Seven, who is a Dampier pirate with uh, a magical pirate ship that can fast travel um, through the th- through the ocean. And just immediately when I started thinking of like his look, you know, it was like this dark hair and, um, you know, tan skin and very muscular. And I just, I kept picturing uh, Momoa. I was like, this is exactly what I would, you know, (laughs) who I would cast if I, you know, could ever get lucky enough to sell um, film rights or something. But yeah, he was just literally encapsulated. I thought like the the perfect charm and image 
of my character seven, you know, in the book. And then the rest of the characters were just like I said, more like, you know, Greek mythology. There is a there's a British actress named Katie McGrath who who was on a show called Merlin for a really long time and she's been in a, a ton of other stunt, stuff since and she actually it, her look inspired a little bit my my main female character in that book which is um her name's gray and i just always picture katie mcgrath you know playing her if, if uh, it was ever to hit the screen um but yeah no i mean Jason Momoa has, you know, and what's funny about the character of Seven, because how I envisioned him is kind of similar to how they've come up with Aquaman. And I saw him play Aquaman and I was like, oh my God, I already thought of him being in the water <laughs> on a pirate ship. And now they've cast him for Aquaman. <laughs> it was just, it kind of cracked me up. I know, I felt like I kind of like foresaw it or something. But, um, and yeah, and then the other part of the character was actually based on a real pirate from history that existed named Henry Mainwaring, who was a nobleman turned pirate and then turned back nobleman after um, he uh, decided to correct his evil ways or something like that. So I took parts of that history and then just the look of Jason Momoa, essentially, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, did you know who Jason Momoa was before Game of Thrones? Not entirely, no. I mean, I remember thinking he looks really familiar. And then, of course, you know, you do like a quick internet, you know, stock and you're like on IMDb and you're like, who, who is this guy? He's super hot. And, I, you know, I did see that he had been on, I think it was like a sci-fi show that I had never gotten into, but I remembered seeing the promos for it. And so I had definitely seen him before, but no, I didn't really know who he was. It was, I think Cal Drogo really put his career, you know, on the map. And I mean, the fact that he's married to one of the hottest women in Hollywood as well. She's, she is some type of like, there's witchcraft. I'm like, she's too how? beautiful. How does she do it? She's like in her 50s. She never seems to look any different than she did on the Cosby show. You know what I mean? Like, she's. Yeah. And she's always like gorgeous. really cool. Like, yeah. she's like not bothered by anything. None whatsoever. She just looks I mean, like such a chill person. Why would she be bothered? She had Lenny Kravitz and then she had a beautiful right. child. And now she has like a beautiful husband. Right. And two more. I think they have two more beautiful kids and um yeah no her daughter zoe is absolutely gorgeous too and talented and just like everything she's amazing she's 53 years old that's unbelievable i mean i i swear she doesn't i mean i also feel like that that 50 like what we perceived as 50 when we were way way younger was Mm -hmm. so different now that as you know as i get older i'm 42 so when i think of 50 you know it doesn't seem I'm like that's kind of that's coming up for me soon you know at some point and I definitely think that um but there are certain women you know like JLo is another one who just is like how this is like you said it's like witchcraft like how are you this beautiful all the time <laughs> I think there was a thing there's like oh of course BuzzFeed I was reading my my literature <laughs> and um, there's like a thing where they were comparing like celebrities now to celebrities of when we were like younger and we viewed them as older and I think JLo was like the same age as like Rose from the gold no not Rose Blanche from the Golden Girls like at oh. the height of gold I was like no way <laughs> I, I totally believe that I also think like society has changed so much as far as like what's available to us as far as like working out and cosmetics and mm-hmm. you know some people get surgery I don't know if she's had any or not doesn't really look like it I think it's just natural but yeah just like fashion and everything is just totally it's just changed so much since the golden girls and also I heard that on the golden girls they actually aged them up on purpose like yeah. to, to make them look like kind of like old grandmas and then like 
you know when they weren't on the show they looked actually like way younger when they didn't have all the like prosthetics and like makeup and stuff on them that's crazy i know I know they like aged up Sophia because like she was supposed to be them like mom, but I didn't know about the yeah. other one. Yeah, I think they just like made them look older on purpose. <laughs> well, they were all gorgeous though. Exactly. I love that. That's another great show you brought up. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we, uh, like you said, Jason Momoa kind of popped off in Game of Thrones. But since then, we've all kind of had our eye on him because yes, he is gorgeous. But did mm-hmm. you like follow his career after he, you know, spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't watched in like a decade, he did die on the show. <laughs> <laughs> like did you can like did you follow his career after that you're like oh I gotta keep tabs on this guy I totally did <laughs> I really did I I followed his career um, I mean it was one of those things that you know I follow pop culture and so anytime a, a you know a film would be announced that he was in I was like I'm definitely watching that um he did a, a kind of um an indie film I think more people are starting to find out about it now just because of his you know other people are trying to like watch everything he's ever been in but um it's called wolf and it is kind of you know it's like a low budget indie film and parts of it are kind of cheesy you know but at the same time it's a great it's one of those wonderful like halloween films you know like i always watch during the halloween season i have my list of like paranormal type stuff and in it's about werewolves right it's up your like, alley yeah and he's <laughs> made like, it top. just for you <laughs> yeah i i really felt like they did actually <laughs> um yeah and he plays like an alpha villain you know one of those villains you love to hate alpha werewolf in it and um yeah i've, I've watched i own it <laughs> i bought it <laughs> off of amazon prime and watch it frequently so yeah and then his latest movie that just came out on netflix um sweet girl that was really really good totally i'm not going to say anything because i know that there's a twist uh there is a twist in the movie and i know that there's a lot of people that still haven't seen it so i'm not gonna give away any spoilers on that because it's it's mind-blowing um but that's a really really good film so if um people like kind of mystery suspense and you like momoa definitely check out sweet girl on netflix because i was like whoa this was super unexpected and stuff but yeah no i don't i love watching him and stuff i think he's I've also noticed like his acting is better. Not that he wasn't a good actor before, but like I feel like with everything he does, and I'm sure that's true with any actor, just like any industry, you know, you get better and better at like your craft and stuff. So yeah, he's he's a, he's a good actor. He's fun to look at, and <laughs> you know, and I and I met him once actually. I was gonna ask you next, like how was it going? You went to Emerald City Comic Con, and you finally mm-hmm. like what was it like? What was it like to be in his presence, six foot four? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I literally, okay, so <laughs> it's like, it, he was like a god. I, I'm not even joking. Um, I almost like passed out th- multiple times beforehand. Uh, I got like way too worked up over it. So I, so I was there with my best friend. She she lives in Seattle. And so, you know, she was always like, you got to come to Comic-Con um, over here. And I'm like, yeah, totally. So that was the year, the first year her and I went together. And I saw that he was, you know, going to be there. And Aquaman hadn't even come out yet. And, and while he had like a huge, huge fan base at the time, it's it wasn't quite like even as big as it is like right now, right? This was like probably four or five years ago that we went. And I think he was there to promote, you know, like the the buzz of Aquaman. So, but I'm there going, oh my God, this is Cal Drogo from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and um, so, you know, uh, and you've done, you've probably done photo ops, right? I've never done one there, but I, I met people, but not, I've yeah. never done a photo op, but I've, I've seen them. So photo ops are, are interesting because there's they're different than actually like 
when you go to a comic con and there's that room where like all the celebrities are just sitting at tables right and you can get their mm -hmm. autograph or take a selfie it's a little more intimate where you can kind of like chat with them for a few minutes photo ops are a little different they're in a separate room and um you wait in line with a bunch of people and they tell you like it's quick like they have to get everybody in so you don't have time to really have a conversation sometimes you don't have time to like even breathe you're like what is going on this is happening so fast and um so that was my first he was my first photo op ever out of any you know all the cons i've been to now so i'm standing in line and i told my best friend i was like you have to go with me because i think i i'm gonna pass out if i'm by myself i need you there to like pick me up off the floor you know jo jokingly of course and she's like yeah of course uh so we get up there and it was kind of funny so so he's standing there and not like looking like like it's real life like you're just like is this really happening am i dreaming <laughs> and they they were like okay you know you show me your little ticket and you i started to go up there and i was like hi and he he like he didn't say anything he just kind of looked at me and kind of like nodded like very cal drogo-ish and i'm like oh shit <laughs> so um <laughs> so i stand next to him and uh he you know he just like kind of put his arm around me and like pulled me to him and we're just standing there and i'm waiting for my best friend renee to come into the photo and the lady didn't realize that she was with me like she was she thought she was going next after mm -hmm. me so they were like having this discussion about it and meanwhile jason momo and i are just like standing there <laughs> awkwardly like we look like we're posing for like a prom photo or something <laughs> and the camera guy's confused i can see him kind of like looking around going what's going on so finally my friend she she comes scurrying in she's like my bad i'm here and uh gets on the other side of him we take the photo and then by the end of it he's kind of chuckling because you know it was this weird like <laughs> awkward moment and i was like thank you and he just kind of like nodded again like very caldrogo-ish and i was like this is surreal i mean he never spoke <laughs> he like actually never spoke <laughs> and we just walked away like fanning ourselves and was like i I think we were in the presence of a god. It's <laughs> weird he didn't speak. Maybe he was like just trying to like play the character up. Yeah, or he was nervous <laughs> or he didn't know what was going on. I don't think he had done many cons prior to that because like I said, this was about five years ago or four. But yeah, so I don't know. It was it was funny and it was but it was amazing and I have the photo and I think it is a little, little intimidating to maybe be him and know there's this line of people that just like want a picture. That's like all they want with you is a picture and you're just like, oh, it's kind of overwhelming. I could see being nervous. Yeah, I think it could be like intimidating because it was literally just a line of like thirsty women, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that was it. And everyone was just like, you know, waiting to get their their moment to, to be next to him. And I, I think that could be very, yeah, no matter how good looking you are, how famous you are. I mean, it's just looking out to a sea of of people that are just like obsessed with you yeah i could see that would be very nerve-wracking and he's by himself like i've done meet and greets but it was like with the backstreet boys so there's five of them so they can kind of play off each other and everything and they've been doing it god what over 20 years so they're so used to it <laughs> yeah, yeah totally like yeah it's like their thing like that's what they do i mean boy bands especially that's yeah. like their bread and butter is meet and greet mm -hmm. and they know exactly they know you want to stand by your favorite member they let you move them around they totally get it oh that's sweet of them it <laughs> is like, get out of my way i don't want you i want the other one <laughs> yeah you can well it's like me and my friends will be in line and you can like see people and you're like oh i hope this one's oh i hope they move them so i don't have to move them <laughs> oh my favorite spot yeah and they go really really fast but it's fun that's awesome i love that <laughs> yeah photo ops are really fun but i will say for anyone listening if anyone hasn't been to a con yet or is 
only been to a couple. I definitely recommend doing, um, and, and I don't know, to be honest, if this is going to change with like the COVID restrictions, but um, I would recommend doing like the selfie, the table selfies instead mm-hmm. of the photo ops, just because it is a little more personal. Um, they're just kind of sitting behind a table casually with like usually their publicist or whoever. And um, they will actually just like chat with you a little more. There's not this rush to be like, all right, take your picture and, you know, and go because the next one's coming. It's it just like way more casual and laid back. And um, and I've met some really, really cool um, favorite, you know, actors and comic book people that way and actually had like fun conversations with them too. And some of them will like do video with you. Like I'll put the video on in your phone and like take a quick video. So um, yeah, I highly recommend that. <laughs> Have you ever met Klaus? Um, no. And that is like my mission. Um, (laughs) you know, I went, here's the funny story. I went to the Vampire Diaries convention a long, long time ago and (laughs) a long time ago. It was like, you know, when everybody was still on the show, I want to say it was even before the originals got their spinoff. I think it was, they were still on, um, the Vampire Diaries and my sister and I went and it was a blast it was really fun and like damon you know and stefan and Ooh. were there and and the but the only michaelsons that were there were elijah and um and the main one uh not not the not rebecca not klaus i'm totally blanking on his name right now the other brother i know you know who i'm talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh anyways they were the only ones there and i was so disappointed that klaus wasn't there because you know he's my favorite and stuff but i've seen that he's doing more I think they still do Vampire Diaries conventions even though the show isn't on anymore and um, I get the emails you know because once you go to one of those they send you emails for life and I've seen his name pop up on a couple of them and I'm like oh my god I need to go (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know what to do I didn't finish the show because they moved it to Friday and I was like I don't know where it is god dang it (laughs) and I was like no I hate when they move my shows I didn't finish it I think it's on Netflix now I'll have to get back into it but yeah because I was writing reviews about the Vampire Diaries right before the original characters started to like pop in so then when they came i was like oh my god and then they got that spinoff i was like obsessed for a few years i was like class is everything so yeah he really is so we're going to end this part of our little chat talking about like going into our imagination so this isn't going to be hard for you you're a creative person so i have faith (laughs) so say you and this jason momoa you could be together so other than eating like a nice sicilian meal and drinking wine every night like what would your lives be like together i think i would have to probably learn to love the wilderness (laughs) Um, (laughs) i'm not much of a nature girl but um if anyone has ever seen his instagram account but yeah that's kind of i think what him and his family are really into uh you know hiking and nature trails and you know all that good stuff so yeah i think it would be like me like having to not be such a diva (laughs) be like ew gross at every like bug or piece (laughs) of dirt on the ground and have to learn but you know he would he would teach me his ways of of the wilderness and you know we would be safe and protected because i think he's probably the biggest thing in the woods you know outside of a of, of a bear or something but yeah i think it would just lots of laughter and love and my boyfriend's gonna kill me when he if he ever hears this podcast (laughs) (laughs) okay here we are allowed to have fantasies at crushgasm right i say embrace the fantasy here okay good i love that i love that lisa bonet don't come after me (laughs) she'll get her witchcraft on you right she's got a little witchcraft in her 
because her ex and jason i mean they're like best friends i know that's so that's like so rare that never happens and it it every year when it's like twice a year it'll be on both their birthdays they'll wish each other happy birthday and it'll trend on twitter because everyone's like oh my god (laughs) so lucky (laughs) she's i know that's everything anything i've ever seen written about her it's like she's so lucky (laughs) i'm like you're right you're absolutely right i'm sure she's a lovely person you know she's gotta be look who she married and her ex I know, I know. Yeah, maybe my crush is more on her. I don't even know. <laughs> I did talk to someone about their crush on SNL's Pete Davidson, and we kind of got into maybe it was just her love of Ariana Grande. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I love both of them too, actually. Yeah, Pete Davidson's hilarious. His stand-up um, I saw last summer, and it was it was quite funny. And Ariana, I've seen her on uh, the new Voice. I don't know if you watch the Voice, but she's fitting in nicely as the new coach. Good for her. I saw you. They always rotate. I was kind of like, whoa, when Adam Levine left, I was like, I thought he'd be like a lifer, but he had other things to do. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's time to pull ourselves away from Jason Momoa's beauty. I know it's hard. Damn, it's damn, hard, damn. but we're going to talk about what you have going on. So you came up, first of all, you came up in a pretty like artsy home and you even started writing at nine. You said it was like this therapeutic thing, but yeah. You didn't like head into that career right away, right? Like you just started writing in the last few years. So like, what were you doing before that first series came to mind? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I grew up in, well, actually I grew up in the restaurant business. So both of my parents have, you know, always done restaurant work, managing, bartending, serving, you know, every, pretty much everything. And so from a very young age, that was really all I knew. Um, you know, I, I've literally done my homework at the restaurant, like that my mom was running at the time, you know. So I kind of, you get sucked into it, you know. My sister did as well. My sister still kind of, you know, goes back and forth with the restaurant business and her creative pursuits. But, and it's and it's a great business. It's a rewarding business. It's where I've met like some of the most amazing people, like the, the best friends that I have now are people I met in the restaurant industry. And I love it so much. And so that's kind of what I was doing. I did uh, for a while, I did hair. I got my cosmetology license and I did hair for about six years, hair and makeup. And that was really fun too. So I always liked doing something creative, even if it wasn't like my main job, I was always doing something creative in the background. And yeah, I started writing poetry from a very young age and then got into songwriting. I sing, um, I dance, you know, everything in the arts that I could possibly do. I tried some, I was really good at some, I wasn't so much. And I always had story ideas. I, I wrote you know, things down, little ideas, snippets of dialogue, but never like a fully formed actual, you know, novel. And when I was like 35, I maybe a little earlier, 34, I was um, working this really stressful corporate job. I was the general manager for one of the biggest spas in uh, the town that I live in. And it was fun and it was challenging, but it was also very stressful and it consumed literally every part of my life to where I couldn't even go on vacation without, you know, having to do a conference call or doing payroll. And it just really started to drain me. And even though the money was good, it just wasn't fulfilling. And so I finally came to the decision that I needed to really focus more on my creative, you know, pursuits. So I started, I started writing Blood and Magic and it, and it just kind of came to me over a culmination of 
you know, 35 years essentially of, you know, reading Anne Rice and Stephen King and watching Vampire Diaries and Bram Stoker's Dracula and all these just different influences, you know, that enter into your mind and inspire you. And I just formed this plot and it was my first novel. It took me about four to five years really to write from you know, beginning of it to editing and perfecting it. And then I sold my first novel, which is very rare. So I don't want anyone to think like, oh, that happens all the time. Uh, I was, uh, I had tried to pitch it to agents and agents weren't interested. I got some rejection letters. And so I decided to go the small press route that was more niche and they have more, I think, of an appreciation for, for vampires and paranormal romance. So yeah, I got it. I got it sold to City Owl Press and then they wanted me to do the whole series for that, um, the Blood and Darkness series. And then I did a spin-off series with them. And then last year during the pandemic, I decided to delve um, into more of the dark romance, the steamier romance. And then that's when I went indie uh, with with my um, Immortal Billionaire series. And yeah, that's kind of like, in a nutshell, long story short, kind of how I ended up here. <laughs> you mentioned you were like reading Anne Rice and inspired by her and, you know, her supernatural writings, New Orleans, all that. But this new Immortal Billionaire is not in New Orleans, in New York. Right. What made you want to switch up the like scenery? I love New York. It's one of my like favorite cities of all time. My sister lived there for a while. So I spent many, many summers in New York City and I hadn't really put it, you know, I mean, I kind of put it a little bit in um, the spinoff series for for um, Blood and Darkness and the Smoke and Ritual book. Um, I kind of just kind of had a couple scenes in New York that I really, really wanted to embrace the culture, that just that feeling of New York, because it's so hard to describe unless you've been there. It, it literally, you just, you get off the plane and you're like, oh, this is electric. You know, there's just something in the air. I love New Yorkers and um, someday, you know, if I'm rich enough, I'd love to have, you know, a secondary home there. It's just a fabulous place. And so I thought, you know, what? I really want to set a world there. And I feel like with my New Orleans stuff, you know, full disclosure, I've never been to New Orleans. Everything I've learned about New Orleans has just been through friends, Google Maps, watching videos, reading books. You know, I had to immerse myself as much as I could and try to be as authentic as I could. So if I didn't get something right, I apologize. But, but you know, it's hard, you know, not everyone can travel all the time or have the money to and things like that. But I was fortunate enough to have these experiences in New York City when I was younger. And so I took those memories and the smells and the, the sounds and everything. And I um, just wanted to really create create a world there. Lots of smells in New York. I know, right? <laughs> so I'm not so great. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I went there for the first time in maybe 2015 or 16. And I was like, all right, they were not kidding about this trash <laughs> everywhere. That's wild. Yes. But I love yeah. it. It's one of my, yeah, it's one of my favorite cities as well. And it's I like- do go to New Orleans like next chance like when you get a chance it's a wonderful city I'm so dry it's such a magical place like and I have I feel like I have the same tether like what tethers me to New York even though I haven't been to uh New Orleans I feel like the same tether to tether to that place you know like I need to go there like my soul is like you need to be here and then I was gonna go actually in 2020 for my birthday and then COVID happened so I thought okay it's not the right time yet so as soon as um we can start, you know, kind of moving around more 
freely, I guess, without worry, then mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to New Orleans. That'll be the first place I go. So, um, <laughs> so the book is out after I burn. It's out. It's been out October 5th. Uh, can you tell us a little more about the book without giving away too much, of course? Yeah. So after I burn is book four in the Mortal Billionaire series. It's so each book is a standalone in the sense of like, it's about a different couple. But there is an underlying story arc that goes throughout each book. So while you can read the books separately and out of order, I do recommend still kind of starting from book one just so you can get the full like world building and understand what's going on. Um, I do my best to recap as, as much as I can without info dumping <laughs> in each book. So book four is the story of Cade in Brooklyn. And Cade is the villain, really, of the series. But this is his story. And he is obsessed with this woman Brooklyn who is human Kate is a demon and he's a siphoner so he can just siphon um, power from other immortal creatures he's one of the strongest he has no weaknesses I really wanted to write a villain that didn't have any like because everyone's like, oh, what's the weakness? How do you kill them? And I'm like, no, you can't kill him. Like, mm-hmm. if you're, if he's after you, you're screwed. Um, and I really oh. liked that concept because I thought, like, you know, he he's just a character that can't be killed. But he has emotional weaknesses. And Brooklyn is one of them. And this was sort of my homage to the Joker and Harley Quinn. Uh, they're one of my favorite uh, evil villainous couples. And it's just a story about them both seeking revenge for different reasons in their lives, which I won't go too much into, so I don't give away spoilers. And then them having to overcome that in some way, you know, because obsession and revenge can take over other, you know, every other aspect of your life and allow you to just be transfixed to it and then keeping you from, you know, enjoying other things. So they're a crazy couple. They're both pretty um, ruthless and it's set in New York City, uh, just like the other ones. Um, and it's a really fun book. I really enjoyed writing this book a lot because um, I got to explore some parts of New York City in this book um, that I hadn't mentioned in, in previous ones. Um, I had spent some time in Queens, so I have Brooklyn's apartment in Queens. And so that was really fun. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, there's trigger warnings. You know, it's it's graphic. It's adults only. It's kind of dark. It's dark romance. But if you're into all of that, you will definitely enjoy reading it. <laughs> I was going to say, you do write these steamy books. and But like you said, they are dark romance. And that made me think of this conversation I had with um, the host of Bats on the Brain podcast, Nikki Hawkins. That episode drops next week, by the way. It's our spooky Halloween Ooh. episode. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we were talking about her love of Tim Burton and discussing how he possibly helped introduce a whole generation to the beauty of the dark side because there's movies like Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice where they're supposed to on the surface maybe look scary but they're really not I mean maybe some people are scared of them but I found them wonderful Beetlejuice was like one of my first crushes so yeah he taught us to kind of be less afraid of things that go bump in the night and do you think there are any parallels between people in like Gen X and millennials kind of loving more paranormal romance novels as opposed to like the classic romance novels that maybe our mothers and grandmothers kind of bought? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a good question. I'm a huge Tim Burton fan as well. Um, Corpse Bride is actually one of my favorite, favorite films of all time. There is something to be said for the darkness. And as a Gen Xer, you know, I I read darker stuff 
you know, even as a teenager. And rice is, is definitely super adult. Um, it's not really meant for younger people, but you know, when it was much easier to get your hands on stuff when <laughs> in those days. So, you know, I read Anne Rice, I read Stephen King, which is it's not so much paranormal romance, so it's more just psychotic and mind messing. But I think there's this attraction to it, especially now. I see this resurgence of it. Because for a really long time, I felt like there wasn't a lot of stuff that I related to or that I liked, you know, in as far as literature in that genre. I read a lot of fantasy, of course, like high fantasy, like Game of Thrones type of stuff or, you know, Harry Potter type things. But there's this sort of like new crazy wave that's happening in dark romance, mafia romance, bully romance. And all these readers of all ages, I mean, girls that are like 18 to, you know, women that are 50s, 60s are all just falling in love and getting obsessed with this genre. And I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's always just that that fascination's always been there, but there just hasn't been enough content for us to like absorb. And now there's like this sort of influx of authors that are like myself that are writing this stuff. It could have a lot to do with just the way that the perceptions of women have changed as well because women being sex positive right hasn't always been something that was accepted and i feel like we're really just reclaiming our power and and just in our sexuality and and not giving we have like no i don't i don't want to swear on here but no f's to give you know anymore and that's kind of what it is it's just exploring the beauty of all these like fantasies we have whether we're writing them or reading them and there's this huge appreciation for it and a huge audience for it and um, I think that's kind of what's happening, really, in a, in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the popularity of Twilight and Vampire Diaries, the originals. I mean, they like you said, there was teens, but there was also older women, too. I remember seeing yeah. the woman with, like, the Twilight back piece who had to have been, like, 50 plus. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think what it is is, like, Twilight, I love Twilight. I, I know that people don't like it, and there's lots of haters out there about it. And I think that Twilight, there was a mood and a tone of it. I'm not saying that it's the most well-written technical book ever. I mean, who who can really judge that, though? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's people make mistakes, people learn, people grow. No one's perfect. No one. Not even Anne Rice. And I actually just loved that the feel of Twilight. And I think what's happening is a lot of people who also feel that way are taking that feel and that tone of Twilight and just really like amping it up a notch because Twilight was pretty tame. It was a traditional YA book. There isn't explicit. I mean, aside from the one scene, I think that happens when they first, her and Edward first, you know, actually have sex. Most of the book is very, very tame. It's very high school. It's very teeny bopper. But I think it was just that mood, you know, that the sort of the ominous, the darkness that goes with it. And I think a lot of people are taking that and just taking it to the next level. They're like, we're going to take Twilight and make it like super dark, like darker <laughs> than ever. <laughs> Do you think that paranormal romance will ever like push classic romance novels out of the way? I don't think so. No. I mean, I think they're I think there's always going to be like uh, waves, you know, and trends that happen where um, people are, certain genres are, you know, trending higher than the other for whatever reason. But I mean, like historical romance, sweet romance, there's a huge audience for that too. I just don't really delve into it that much. So I don't even, I don't know that much about sweet romance or historical, but I would say that we surround ourselves kind of like with what we like, I think. And so 
because like if you're a paranormal romance author or reader and you don't tend to like kind of go outside those lanes at all then you're probably not going to notice what any of the other genres are doing but you know romance is a billion dollar industry and most sweet romance authors that are like bestsellers they're they're definitely not hurting for any <laughs> uh for any audience because there are a lot of there are a lot of people that that don't like the darker stuff it's it's too triggering it's you know, it's, they're just not into it and they'd rather have like the sweet romance with the closed door. Um, and that's okay too. You know I mean? That, if that's what you like, then that's the beauty of it is there's like literally a romance book out there for everybody. I did not know that romance. I thought I, you always think of the like classic ones that are like at the grocery store right? with like the Fabios and everything. So it was the Harlequin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the art is like, I love like book covers. So I mean, the art's just so classic on those. So it's like my favorite. I get so excited when I get to like my first thing I do is like, oh, I get a new book cover, you know, when I'm like creating a new story and I get to to plan, you know, and work with an artist on, on book design. Oh my God. It's just it's so fun. I Your covers it. are really beautiful as well. Thank you. Shout Thank you. I have to uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, Sarah Page at Opium House. Yeah, she's amazing. She's such a great artist. And she has a Facebook group too. I think it's called Opium House. And she's she's getting really, really busy and really popular. Just especially lately, I've noticed. I mean, she's just incredible. Like her covers, she does like pre-mades, but then she also does custom covers as well. And I feel like I just vibed with her right off the bat. Like when I told her kind of just a few things about my vision, I feel like she just immediately gets it off the bat. Like I don't ever have to. Um, sometimes with cover artists, you go back and forth a few times before you you settle on it. With her, I tell her what I want, and she sends me, you know, a proof, and I'm like, "Yep, that's it. Thanks." <laughs> and that's it. I don't have to like, you know, tell her to change anything. I just like first try, she gets the cover that like I was envisioning. That's super cool. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so on top of writing, you also host a podcast. It's called yeah. Spoiler Country. Yeah. Um, I like that you have like such interesting guests. You have like actors, but you also have like stunt people too. I don't think get enough appreciation out there. Yeah. You're doing a lot of work. So um, yeah. <laughs> you can talk about like all things that fall under this kind of nerdy comic-con-y umbrella so what made you like want to get into that on top of all the writing you're doing seems like a lot well yeah i know it does it is <laughs> um the podcast kind of happened to like me actually not accidentally but just it just i was never pla- i never thought in a million years that i would ever do a podcast or be a host on a podcast and it kind of resulted from uh in 2020 like uh you know i was supposed to go to emerald city comic-con as a pro and the the show got canceled for covid and i was like okay that sucks um whatever you know just gotta keep going and then i got a email from jeff at spoiler country asking if i would like to come on the show as a guest to just sort of talk about like you know my uh what i'm selling because they felt bad that all these artists and creators you know weren't going to get this opportunity to connect and network with people you know due to covid so they wanted to give all of us an opportunity you know, especially us that are indies, you know, just to give us an opportunity to kind of say what we do and try to give us a little promotion, which I thought was really cool. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll come on your show. And I, it was like a 30 minute, 20, you know, 25, 30 minute interview. And I just really, really hit it off with Kendrick and John, who are the, um, the, the founders of Swirler Country and the main hosts. And we kept in contact. And then they had me on again to talk about my books for like a full, you know, one hour episode. And we just geeked out about video games and 
it was just, it was super fun. And so, yeah, like flash forward, like six months after that, they were like, hey, do you kind of just like, would you like to just join the show and be a host? <laughs> I was, and I really like, I had no, I had never done it before. And I thought, well, you know what? Why not? I'm home and I like them and I like their show. And I thought this, you know, might be fun. And so I did a couple, I joined them on a couple interviews first just so I could get like the feel of it. And, and then they kind of threw me to it. They're like, you got this, like, go do it. And so, um, yeah, my first solo interview was. Um, with Derek Robertson, who's the creator of The Boys comic book, or one of the creators and artists of The Boys, and which is now a show on Amazon Prime. And he was amazing and so nice. And I was so nervous to begin with because it was like my, the first time just like interviewing, you know, someone by myself. And then he's like this huge major you know person in the industry to top it off like no pressure right don't screw (laughs) this up he only has like a hit show on Amazon and um yeah so but it went so well and yeah with each interview I just got more and more comfortable and then I realized that it was actually something I was good at and I like doing and so yeah I'm, I'm coming up on my one year anniversary with Swiller Country and I love like getting to just chat like with so many like you were saying so many different types of of creatives we you know we interview comic book creators and musicians and I you know interviewed a jazz musician and stunt people and voiceover actors and freaking I interviewed Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas twice um you know so it's it's a pretty fun job (laughs) so After I Burn is out now but do you already have like some ideas brewing for the next book I do I do I'm so excited Uh, Yeah, I've already got my, you know, the editing schedule ready to go. Um, So book five is called After I Obey. And I feel like every book, I'm just getting like darker and darker with (laughs) with the dark romance theme. But um, this, uh, what the cool thing is, is the first four books of The Mortal Billionaires, the, the underlying arc I was talking about earlier does get tied up in book four. So when book five starts... It has, that's literally a standalone. It won't have any connection to previous arc other than just, it's like the same world. And I do introduce the main hero uh, in book four. So that way, when book five comes out, you're like, oh, I kind of remember this character being mentioned in book four. And that's sort of the lead in. But yeah, it's about um, an incubus demon who, um, and I'm taking it to LA. I'm I'm leaving New York for this book five. And I've also spent a lot of, time in LA I've lived in LA yeah so it's going to be the uh, real estate tycoon industry of, of Los Angeles with uh with a demon and it already sounds scary yeah right <laughs> for those LA buying can, <laughs> LA is a scary place sometimes but it's also a great place but um yeah I know it's it'll be fun so yeah that one uh you can probably I want to say it expect around I don't have a definite date yet but I'm looking like kind of middle to end of January to release that one we have a few months to finish after I burn and then move on to the next exactly yeah (laughs) so can you tell people where they can find you and all your books online yeah so my website is melissasercha.com and that is s-e-r-c-i-a so it reads like Circea for anyone who <laughs> wants to know phonetically. Um, so it's melissasurcha.com. I'm on Twitter at Fluid Ghost. My Facebook, uh, I know for enough, nobody's really on Facebook that much anymore, but if you are, <laughs> um, Facebook is at melissasurcha11. And then my Instagram is melissasurcha writes. And I'm on TikTok under, I think it's melissasurcha writes or 
just Melissa Sarchak. I, I mean, I, my name's pretty unique. I don't think I've not yet met anyone with my same name. So if you just type that in, <laughs> it should come up right away. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm on um, Kindle Unlimited. All my books that are my indie books are on Kindle Unlimited. My books with CL Press are wide, so you can um, find them on Nook and Barnes & Noble as well. All right, Melissa. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about your TV crush. And everyone, you can find all of Melissa's information below. And until next time, keep crushing it. <laughs>